And I think a funny thing about human beings is we all have egos. We sure as hell try to get away from it. And I think if we own it, that paradoxically makes our ego less dominant over us. This episode is brought to you by my friends at Ample Meal. Ample is a new entrant into the meal replacement market. So essentially, it's a healthy meal in a bottle. What I love about Ample is this is so much more than just a protein shake. It is a complete meal, including fiber, healthy fats, protein, and carbohydrates, all in a very convenient plastic bottle that you just shake it up, add water, shake it up, and then you drink it. And not only do you get hydrated, but you actually get a really well-crafted 400 or 600-calorie meal for busy professionals and athletes and warriors on the go. This thing is fantastic. I believe it's going to replace the MRE for the military because it's healthy. It's actually made out of very, very healthy, non-GMO, nothing artificial. You know, the fats are from like macadamia nuts and, you know, all sorts of good stuff in this thing. So, Terrific, terrific uh, new option for those of us who train hard and are busy professionals and sometimes just literally have to grab something and go. So at least we're going to get a complete meal now with Ample Meal. And listeners can use the code UNBEATABLE if you go to amplemeal.com and for any order over 50 bucks, you're going to get two bonus meals with your order. So go to amplemeal.com, use the code UNBEATABLE for the special two bonus meals. And trust me, I use this every day now. It's, it's become my go-to and I love it. So Ample Meal is awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you, Connor, uh, for creating this cool new food source. hoo out here. Hey folks, Commander Mark Devine coming back at you with the Unbeatable Mind podcast. Thanks so much for joining me again this week. Holy cow, I can't believe you keep doing that. Wow, we must be doing something right here. Hey, listen, um, you probably heard me say this before and you might be getting tired of me saying it, but... If you like the podcast, go to iTunes and rate it and start on the right side where, you, you know, it's five stars. But if you start on the right side, it clicks all five. So you don't have to, you know, wonder whether you're going to give me a four or a three. Just, just go ahead and click the five stars and that'll be just fine. And that'll help other people find us. And my, my unstated goal, although now I've stated a few times, is to rank higher than Tim Ferriss. And I think that would be kind of cool. Hoo-yah. Tim someday is going to call me and be like, what's up with all that? At any rate, I am super excited to have as a guest today a, a guy that I, I'm kind of bummed he doesn't live in Encinitas anymore, but he used to live here in Encinitas. And, um, oh gosh, I don't, you know, I'm not going to read your bio, JP. I'm just going to let you tell us about yourself, but it's JP Sears. And you might have stumbled across uh, some of his videos or after this podcast, you will need to go stumble across his videos on YouTube, which is one of the ways that he likes to communicate with the world. But um, JP, I'll let you kind of do a little introduction and we'll get pretty clear on who you are when we talk. But I'm super stoked to have you on the show. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, for sure, brother. I'm so happy to be here with you. And because I'm uh, fully narcissistic today, I'll just take you, I'll just take two or three hours to tell everybody about myself. I'm humble. I don't like to talk about myself much. In fact, I'm the most humble person I know. But yeah, the the gist of what I do, ultimately the heart and soul of what I do is I help people to help themselves find more meaning in their lives and heal and grow past their wounds and blockages. 
And uh, I guess the more well-known way that I've been doing that the past couple of years is my uh, my ultra-spiritual videos where I'm sharing my perspective through the language of humor through those videos, ultimately broadcasting uh, some of the scar tissue of the psyche that I think a lot of us carry and inviting people to liberate themselves from their version of it. And then additionally, for the past 15 years, I've uh, had an emotional healing client coaching practice and done a lot of uh, teaching of classes, workshops, retreats, uh, performing, speaking, all that stuff to make my ego feel good about itself. <laughs> I love that. You've also got a book, which is basically that's the same or similar title to your podcast, right? How to be ultra spiritual. So, yeah. T- so I just want to, ca- to contextualize this for you listeners when you maybe you can even do this if you're not driving i wouldn't recommend doing this if you're driving but search youtube for how to be ultra spiritual and one of the more popular videos that you have is and i actually watched this a little while ago and i was in stitches is if meat eaters acted like vegans mm. and, and so what i'm curious about here and we're gonna i want to get into the you know the meat and potatoes what we'll talk about is emotional development because that's near and dear to our um our training philosophy as we were just discussing but how do you see that humor and like you know when i watch your videos you know little, pretty much you say everything you know it's it's like upside down day you know yeah. everything you say is like exactly opposite of the reality but what in saying it you're actually pointing out a lot of truths which is yeah. fascinating i love that and so how do you see those helping and how did you come about being a comedian in this kind of really unique way of just kind of dishing on spiritual egoism and and whatnot. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate the question. I think, uh, you know, and I'm biased, uh, (laughs) my videos, are they intended to be comedic and entertaining? Yes. And do they also have the intention of delivering a deeper message to actually impact and make a difference uh, on a person's life? Yes, but of course I'm biased, so that's just my point of view. And, uh, you know, how the videos came about is uh, I needed them for my own therapy. The spiritual egoism, egotism, I don't even know how to speak English too well, uh, but the, the egotistical nature that's involved in spirituality Man, I was getting swallowed up by it. Uh, And I'm not going to say, well, it was irritating me. Other people were doing it. Like, yeah, other people have been doing it, but I was doing it. You know, I was living where you're in the Mecca of it all. Encinitas, I was there for 10 years. And I started to really look at myself and check myself and think, like, I am really having an egotistical drive behind a lot of things that I'm calling spiritual. And I think a funny thing about human beings is we all have egos. And wherever we go, you can't get away from it. (laughs) (laughs) You would be be dead. We sure as hell try to get away from it. And I think if we own it, say, yep, I've got an ego. Wherever I go, my ego is going to try to gratify itself. I think that paradoxically makes our ego less dominant over us. But I think when we try to hide it, repress it, it gets misdirected and like what we resist persists. So the persistence of our ego's insatiable appetite to gratify itself, it persists. But there we are, eyes wide shut, blind to it because we've sold ourselves a story of, yeah, you know, I'm 
Uh, I'm spiritual. What I'm doing is not egotistical. It's right. spiritual right. because my ego is calling it spiritual. So the, the humor part of it, to me, humor is a magical energy. Yeah, it's not the only energy, but it's a magical way to communicate points of view. You know, if I came up to any one of, the, any one of you lovely listeners and told you what's true for you, you need to consider this and you're doing this wrong and this belief of yours is crap. It's not serving you anymore. <laughs> There's a decent chance your defenses are going to be up. Sure. And in your mind, you're calling me a self-righteous jerk. And you're not even going to consider what I have to say because the way I'm delivering the message it's too abrasive. It's too combative. So and there's a natural push back and say, well, who are you to tell me what's right and what's wrong for me? Oh right. man. It's so how it we land, maintain yeah. our center of gravity in our psyche. It's like, <laughs> if you came up to me, Mark, and you started to push on my chest, naturally I'm going to resist because right. my, my psyche, my physiology says losing my balance is kind of like a threat. I don't want to fall over, hit my head. But when we deliver the same message through the language of humor it's more playful, not combative. It's more of a feminine energy rather than masculine pushing right. energy. So there's something magical about how we're willing to consider when we let the message penetrate more. Mm-hmm. Not for the sake of brainwashing ourselves, but for the sake of actually considering what is this message? Yeah. Uh, in, is there a part of me in that or not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, to that's me, that's awesome. part of the, the beautif- beauty of humor. So I completely agree with you because it does it creates an opening for for more engagement, right, as opposed to pushing back. I love the relating it to kind of yin or feminine energy just so that we – I'm not sure you're, you're prepared to do this, but I, knowing how spontaneous you I'm nervous you already, Mark. I, I know who I'm talking okay. to. So I, I, we're not in the same – I'm not intimidating you into doing this, but you probably have um, like with some of your – or maybe more even recent videos, like you probably have a good dialogue in your head. Can you give the can you give the listeners just a sample? Pretend I'm not here. Just give them a sample of of some of the um, teachings that you uh, present in your How to Be Ultra Spiritual YouTube. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, some of the ways to be ultra spiritual is um, you know, through uh, competitive uh, spirituality and a. Uh, an important way to um, uh, be competitive to uh, increase your potential is to insult people for not being very conscious. I think it takes a very conscious person to recognize and belittle someone who's not very conscious. And then, you know, out uh, whispering people is very important because if someone speaks with uh, authority or a, a big tone of voice, like obviously that's not spiritual. So, we need to be more precious than the next guy, and we need to just really treat each other as though we're delicate, fragile uh, creatures, obviously. And then uh, I think it's also important – I know you and I are both big on intuition, but I, I think it's also important to pretend to be intuitive. Uh, you know, I always, when I see someone call me, they come up on my caller ID, I you know, answer the phone and let them know, hey, uh, Mark – I knew you were going to call. I knew it was you. So it's important to uh, mask our logical faculties as intuitive at all times. <laughs> and by the way, lastly, uh, what I'll say for now, and we could go on for uh, six or seven more lifetimes, but I think it's also important anytime we meditate, 
or do yoga, it's so important to post on social media about it. If you do a meditation session and you don't post a status update update about it, did that meditation session really happen? No, it didn't. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just a sap, but it just cracks me up. I love that. Oh, I, love you know, I wonder how many people, when they listen to your videos, actually think that you're serious. Do you get that? You know, it, sure was, you it was frightening. In the uh, beginning, the first, I, I've been doing the ultra spiritual videos for about two years now. And the, the first probably four, five, six months, it, it just amused me to no end slash like frightened me a little bit how like I'd watch some of the comments and messages and people were actually thinking I was serious. Like these, these aren't good spiritual practices. <laughs> it's like, Oh, I'm actually, so actually in some of the earlier videos, I, after the title of the video, I'd put funny in uh, parentheses, <laughs> but now I, I think luckily they're, they get enough exposure that people just know. And uh, if someone can't figure it out, then yeah. Uh, it's just their bad karma if they need to think I'm being serious. Yeah, that's their problem. You can only help them so much. Have you always been a comedian? Uh, Have you done any like comedic work prior to this, like stand up or anything like this? Nothing professional. Nothing. Uh, But have I been a comedian in my private life? Yes. Uh, It's a, it's a part of me. It's not all of me. And I think like uh, anyone else with a, you know, a sense of humor, uh, with any degree of volume, my inner comedian started through pain. You know, it, as a child, I didn't know how the hell to deal with pain. I didn't know how to process emotions. So when I felt insignificant inside, which was often, I mean, I uh, dealt with my fair share of shame as a kid. Mm-hmm. By the way, a, a statistic I've seen by John Bradshaw, he's a beautiful author, his book called uh, Healing the Shame That Binds You, amongst his other 30 books. Amazing, uh, yeah, yeah he, there's a, a statistic he gives. He's quoting some, someone else who I forget, but they suggest we have 20, the average person has 25,000 hours worth of shame exposure in their childhood. It's like, holy cow, it's whether that's accurate or not, maybe it's too low. I don't know. But so anyway, I dealt with my fair share of pain by not dealing with pain. So I would seek to escape it and compensate. So as insignificant as I'd feel on the inside, that's how significant I would try to make myself on the outside. And I learned to use humor for that. So if I could make someone laugh, I'd feel like I mattered to them. Mm. And if I felt like I mattered to them, then I felt significant for about four minutes. Mm. Now I got to make someone else laugh. <laughs> but because that became my modus operandi of codependently feeling significant as a child, I would, you know, learn to read people. So uh, like I'd figure out really quick, what's going to make this person laugh. And so I think just along the way, needing to sustain my emotional well-being or at least compensate for lack of emotional well-being i developed uh at least my version of a a comedic style Mm -hmm. now you um you are also a coach right so you you do emotional you say in my show prep notes you do emotional healing i think that's fascinating and and obviously uh you and i share this belief that it's it's a core need in our society 
to help people tap into their emotions and to heal from things like shame and guilt and anger and, you know, whatever. Most, if not all, related to some early childhood trauma that just yeah. will flat out exists, right? It's part of the human experience. So I guess uh, that was a long prelude to ask, how, do you, how did you get into the career of being an emotional coach? Tell us about that. Yeah, I was arrogant as hell. That was the first seed. So as a, as in my very early 20s, in fact, I was probably 20, and I, I you know, I, I had been into health, fitness, nutrition for a little while and then took some uh, professional training in it. And the exercise led me into, you know, really being interested in nutrition and lifestyle stuff. And then from there, it really got me interested in like, oh, the emotions, mm-hmm. what can that do for a person? So my interest initially was very arrogantly fueled as I want to help other people heal their hearts, heal their emotions. And then once I started working with legitimate mentors, ooh, I got humbled. Mm-hmm. And I quickly realized, wow, the reason why I'm so passionate about helping other people heal emotionally is I need it. Mm-hmm. I was purely projecting my deep, deep, deep need for it onto other people. And I, and I thank God for that arrogant mindset because I didn't know how to get to the humble mindset of learning to receive and do the inner healing that I was completely in denial of. Cause of course I was a real man. I never cry and I don't get mad. I don't have a temper. Uh, so, ah, you know, I'm, completely centered it's like no i was just mostly numb and frozen i was completely out of touch with my passion therefore i never got angry and never got upset because i was afraid of conflict Mm -hmm. so it was a very fear-based mentality that i very much thought it meant i was centered and peaceful inside and of course that's part of what gave me the material for the ultra spiritual you just described a good percentage of the male population. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) One thing that uh, I've noticed, uh, I'm married to a therapist. It's no surprise to the listeners. And and that's really been extraordinarily helpful for my own emotional development, even though I would have not have characterized it like that 15 or 20 years ago (laughs) when I told my wife I was perfect and had the perfect childhood. And she just started laughing. (laughs) She didn't believe you? Uh, She's so close-minded. I know, exactly. (laughs) Little did I know how right she was. But what I've noticed is a lot of people going into the healing professions, they go in because of their, they, you know, they feel this need for their own healing, but often they not, they don't do the work, right? They think that by, they think that by being in the profession and helping others, it's the same thing as doing the work on themselves. And that's not true, is it? Yeah, I unfortunately I don't think it's true at all. And you know, they're one of my favorite authors. Um, have you ever heard of a? He's a Jungian analyst. His name is James Hollis. No, I have not. James Hollis. Oh man, one of my favorite authors. His message is deep and beautiful, and his writing style is just a work of art as well. But he he in some of his writing, he talks about how people will become a therapist to escape their own healing. Mm. Uh, you know, some people will become a preacher, a pe- priest, uh, w- w- spiritual leader 
to escape doing their own work. And I think, uh, you know, pardon my language, but I think what we all, including me, I need more of this. We all need to realize I too am a human being and I shit out of my asshole. (laughs) I've got, you know, I've got my dirty, filthy stuff to deal with. You know, I, I use the toilet. I close it. I flush it. You know, the doors close. I pretend I don't do it. But yeah, <laughs> right. I've got, I've got the shitty I've part of my said sh- this. You know, even the Dalai Lama has to get up in the morning and, and use the restroom and put on his underwear. And, you know, it's true. We're all humans just doing the best we can. For sure. And, but back to, so you've, you found some mentors and you do the work. And so let's talk about both of those. Who were your mentors? How do they inspire you? And what work path did they put you on that helped you develop your emotional mountain, so to speak? Yeah, uh, there's been two primary mentors. I mean, many teachers along the way, but two primary mentors. The first was a guy named Paul Check. I know Paul, yeah. Yeah, this, you know, based guy, yeah. right there in Southern California. So when I was in my late teens, I started studying his early work in the field of holistic exercise, nutrition. And, you know, Paul's a rough and tumble Mm -hmm. guy, very strong. So that connected to my young, really, quite honestly, immature male psyche, because what else was there to value other than toughness, physical strength? No idea about the inner world. So I got connected with Paul. But he also has a very deep spiritual side which once I got to know him, studying with him, that he was an, an important gluten-free breadcrumb on the breadcrumb trail. <laughs> he was an early get, proponent of integrated training, and I, I, love, I love Paul. In fact, I need to hook up with yeah. him. <laughs> Maybe have yeah, he's, he's got a beautiful message. So when I connected to the rough part of his message, it got me into the sensitive, deeper inner realm. So that really ignited my fires like, hey, there is more to life than what my five senses convey. And then um, it, along the way, I got hooked up with a mentor named John McMullen, hmm. runs an organization called Journeys of Wisdom. Uh, and it's very uh, practical. I, I dare, I, I hesitate at using the term spiritual because it's kind of like, what does that actually mean? But it's very practical, tangible, spiritual, deep emotional healing work. Um, and that dude, he, I think it was 1980, he had a car accident, brutal out of body experience, came back into his body. He was never the same. He was just connected to hmm. some unseen forces. He has wisdom and intuition that flows through him like no other. Hmm. So for the past about 13 years as well, I've been uh, very blessed to have him. Still teaching? I'm still. Yeah. Yeah. I only publicly support companies and products that I personally use and have found valuable. So I wanted to tell you about Qualia. Now, I'm not a supplement geek. I don't find them useful if I'm fueling properly. But when it comes to my cognitive strength and brain health, I am excited about the emerging industry of nootropic supplements. I've been testing Qualia, designed by my friends at the Neurohacker Collective, for several months now. And it's on the bleeding edge of nootropic research and has become the one supplement that I won't go without on a daily basis. Qualia stimulates what's called broad-spectrum cognitive enhancement, which involves optimizing multiple cognitive variables simultaneously rather than focusing on a single variable. For example, it brings me greater ability to focus and makes me feel more connected while not diminishing my overall awareness of the environment. 
I experience a systematic enhancement of my brain's ability to take in and process information without any stimulating effect, which would make me feel agitated like caffeine or depleted after the effect wears off. Now, for a busy entrepreneur and athlete like me, it's a no-brainer to invest in my brain health with Qualia. You can get on the Qualia bandwagon with me by visiting neurohacker.com, that's N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com, and use the code UNBEATABLEMIND15R, that's UNBEATABLEMIND15R, to get 15% off the life of your order. Trust me on this one, you won't be disappointed with Qualia. Okay, so what types of, you know, this is one of the challenges that I have, you know, so I mentioned earlier, and all the listeners are familiar with the five mountains, and maybe not all, but so I'll briefly say that the unbeatable mind philosophy is that to, to integrated development along the five mountains of physical, mental, emotional, intuitional, and Kokoro spirit, or heart spirit. And so it's fairly simple to hand someone some physical and even some mental developmental tools. Like we have a lot of different methods of concentration and meditation and memory and for mental and physical, you know, Paul check was all over that, just like seal fit, yeah. you know, here's some kettlebells and here's some burpees and go, go to town, you know, or, or take up yoga or something, but, uh, and, and intuitive and spiritual, we even have some practices for that, you know, from our religious traditions and yoga as well as, you know, from the different Eastern traditions. But the emotional mountain, right? We kind of mm. we kind of stutter a little bit, and so what I recommend is getting an emotional coach. And I've been calling therapists emotional coaches, you know. So emotional coach and and things like EMDR and emotional focus therapy, and even uh, some programs like Hoffman Institute or you know uh, I did something called Awakening Seminar with a guy named Jason Brody, which is spin off of the Hoffman Institute. Those can be very useful. Mm. They're all like seminar type things or require third parties is there anything I, i'm going off in a long thing because i'm really curious <laughs> for your perspective is there anything that we can do ourselves without the without the support of a of a coach trainer therapist or seminar to develop yeah. emotional lives and absolutely i think truly sound ultra spiritual here for a second i think truly everything we need inside for emotional wellness uh or everything we need it's already inside of us mm. so we have the resources the work is connecting the resources to the parts of us that need them mm-hmm. and you know i i before i get practical i will endorse the idea and again i'm biased because i'm an emotional healing coach i do think there's a lot of value in having a coach for really any realm of life emotions would be one of them you know we we typically spend what is it 12 to 20 years educating the hell out of our logical uh, left brain and we tend to have next to no education for our emotional side, our right brain. So a lot of us are dry sponges, very eager to learn uh, not only the basics, but, you know, a lot of the, you know, just beauty that can um, be instilled upon us with the emotional realm. So I know that I don't know a lot is a great mentality to I have with emotions. So I think one of the things we can all do right now, every damn day for the rest of our lives, that takes us uh, into 
I think, important healing realms and empowerment realms through our emotions is feel our damn feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, I think emotional wellness, if I could just state it in one sentence, it would be we feel what we're feeling when we're feeling it. So making deliberate space to feel our emotions, to accept our feelings, even when they're not what we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, let's stop that. So I think a lot of people mistake, you know, emotional control as suppressing negative emotions. And I think that's yeah. a big problem. And it's something that I've been trying to teach people too, is because that just makes it worse. It's like you said earlier, what you focus on, you know, makes it is going to grow. And so if you're focusing on the anger by suppressing that anger, because you don't think it's good then, or helpful, then um, that anger is just going to go bottled back up to where it came from. And the anger really is, it represents some other issue, right? It's, it's transmuted to some other primordial issue that, that arose when you were too young to understand or to cognize what was going on. And so we don't, what you're saying is to, if the, if the energy comes up, you know, to be more like a surfer and to ride it and just see where it goes and to let it dissipate and to be aware of it and to be present with it. And what benefits does that, does that bring us, do you think? Uh, say that uh, one more time, Mark. What, and what benefit does that bring us when we're able to do that? Yeah, it makes us uh, friends with ourselves mm-hmm. rather than us treating ourselves like a damn enemy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the self-preservation mentality that all of us have says if something is uncomfortable, then it's bad for me. Right. If something feels bad, then it's bad for me. Anger, guilt, grief, shame, uh, those are all, I mean, none of us sit here and say, well, I would really love to feel afraid. I, I would love, love guilt. to feel ashamed. <laughs> Come on over. We'll have a guilt party on Friday night. It's just going to be a great time. No, those things feel bad. But from my delusional perspective, I don't think uncomfortable emotions have ever hurt anybody. I think trying to escape uncomfortable emotions is what hurts people and really sabotages people's lives, relationships, fitness, wellness, it's the escape of the feelings rather than feeling them that can really do damage. So to me, those are, in a very general sense, some of the prime benefits. And I, and I will just say this, because I think, you know, I listen to what we're talking about, and there's the, always a skeptical part mm-hmm. of me. It was like always looking for a way to justify going into denial of emotions, because oh, that's my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So I'm not advocating that any one of us let our emotions dominate us all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're angry out in public, I don't think it's a good idea to voice, to start screaming at people. It's like, okay, if you want to get locked up, if you want to develop a reputation for a nut job, which eh, maybe you are, uh, then let your emotions dominate you all the time. So we have a logical brain for a reason. So we can have appropriate discernment. Am I in a safe space to be a hundred percent transparent and honest for this with this emotion. If I am great, mm-hmm. if I'm not, I need to circle back to it as soon as I can, mm-hmm. uh, as soon as I can, you know, I I'm in airports often and man, that's a triggering experience mm-hmm. for me. So mm-hmm. I, not a very appropriate place for me to be honest with all of my emotions. So I, I have to go back and cleanse myself, if sure. you will. Well, I think, 
part of emotional control, and this is actually could be a good practice, would be to um, experience the emotion but control your reaction to it, right? So you can experience the full range of anger without making that someone else's experience. You know what I mean? Uh, but that takes a little bit of work, right? So how you control your facial muscles and whether you're going to let yourself feel sad and, and also, you know, cry a mountain of tears. Um, that I guess maybe that's more advanced practice, right? Because some people well, won't have that control initially when they start to connect with their emotions. Well, maybe. Uh, whether it's an advanced practice or something within reach now, it's a great north star to aim for, yeah, yeah. I think. And, and just on that that note, my my wise friend, one other tidbit comes to my mind that I'd love to invite people to consider, probably because I need to hear it, so I'm just going to project it on everybody else. But another powerful basic of emotional empowerment is own it. Yeah. Own your, not only own your feeling, but own your interpretation of what's happened. Making ourselves into a victim, I don't think has ever given anybody an extraordinary life. No. And, and I think a trick of the trade of our ego is our ego gets a huge dose of the illusion of power when we put ourselves into the powerless polarity of mm. being a victim. It's a sense of power through the polarity of powerlessness. So it's very reactive for all of us to want to be a victim, blame someone else, create a reason why I'm upset and it has nothing to do with me. No, we all see our lives through our eyes. We interpret what happens through our faculties and it's our heart that generates our emotions. Mm. Nobody injected it into us. So I think uh, passionate, ambitious ownership of our feelings and our perceptions is so important. And I think it's room that we all have to grow in for the sake of empowering ourselves. Absolutely. And, and you're very intuitive, by the way, because I was having a similar thought, but I was going to contextualize in this in this context of how easy it is for people to develop an identity around the negative mm -hmm. emotions. Like the entire country, you know, music industry is has this <laughs> around being the sad, you know, poor, broke, woe is me yeah. individuals. And there's, there's entire swaths of society who buy into that. And they're, they're, um, they're in love with those negative emotions in a sense, you know, they need them for their identity. Yeah. And so what you're saying is that's not necessarily healthy and that's from power. So they get power from their powerlessness. Fascinating. Yeah. And, and I think it's a sense of power the same way an alcoholic gets a sense of power through alcohol or a drug addict gets a sense of power through the drugs. It's not true power. I think it's the illusion of power. And, and I think it's pretty interesting how, in my opinion, a, a part of all of us, uh, has a fear of true empowerment. Mm. And I, I look at the work you do, Mark, and I, I have a lot of admiration for what you do. And I imagine you threaten the hell out of a lot of people. And I, I, actually, I'm guessing <laughs> you don't threaten people. I'm, I, I'm guessing people feel very threatened around you right. because here you are, I mean, not only offering the tools of true empowerment physically, but you're a deep guy emotionally, intuitively, and spiritually. So you're offering 
unapologetic self-responsibility to people, I don't think there's anything else that will threaten people more than that. You know, my our dysfunctional mechanisms that we develop in childhood that are so comfortable, no matter how uncomfortable they are, there's so there's great comfort in the uncomfortability of them because they're all familiar. And here a, a guy like you comes along shining, unapologetic self-empowerment. It's like, oh. My uh, my victimization's not going to hold up here, or me trying to give my power away to other people not going to hold up here because here's a guy saying, "You have the power now, do something with it right. or not." Right. At many levels, so I I really admire the light you shine, and uh, I hope a lot of people feel threatened by <laughs> your work, and they walk into the threat of personal empowerment rather than trying to avoid it. Yeah, well said, and thank you for that. I agree with you, and we want people to, to engage the threat, just like the Navy SEAL heading toward the sound of gunfire. That's where the learning is. That's where the growth is, right? Uh, and and I, I'd imagine that's why they call you guys special forces, not reactive forces, right. not the mass herd forces. Oh, a gunfire, a threat. Let me go in the opposite direction. Right. Uh, self-preservation that goes in the opposite direction. But I think self-realization, the special mentality is we go towards the threat. Right. Something we're afraid of, we embrace it rather than making it, putting as much distance between us and it. Fantastic. Awesome. So we really could go on for another two or three hours, but we've been at this for about 45 minutes already. So why don't we, um, let's tell folks what is up next for you? Like what are your, what's your big project? What's your one thing? What are you working on now? Uh, I love the question. It makes me feel like I should be in control of my life. There's a lot going on, but I'd say the, the biggest up next project uh, will be my book launch. I've got my book called How to Be Ultra Spiritual. Uh, coming out in the very near future. It's already available on Amazon. So I put my heart and soul into that. It was a beautiful experience to uh, be a part of, to, to write it. I just, it meant so much to me. So I'm excited to really uh, get that out to the world. How to be ultra spiritual. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, the official uh, release date is March 7th, 2017. Great. Let us um, remind me. And we'll help you promote that on our social media and such. Oh, well, thank you for so you can add New York that. Times bestseller to your ego egotistical checklist. There, you know that. How gratifying would that be to my <laughs> ego? <laughs> Ironically, coming through a book where I'm portraying all the egotistical spiritual superiority stuff, that'd be that wouldn't that be awesome? That okay. would be and uh, so. Uh, that and then you you um how often do you re- release a video on your youtube channel yeah uh lately it's been every uh two weeks maybe every three weeks just depending on my travel schedule but coming here in the new year at least the first quarter of the year i'm going to be on a once a week basis so uh you can check me out on awaken with jp on youtube or Facebook, or be sure to avoid those channels if you feel offended by me. <laughs> All right, JP. Thank you so much. JP Sears, uh, check JP's stuff out on um, YouTube. I tell you what, you're going you're gonna to be in stitches. And if you're not, then um, I'm not sure how I can help you <laughs> because it's very good stuff. And we'll uh, support his book launch, How to Be Ultra Spiritual, coming out in March. JP, please um, 
let's find a time to visit us here at SealFit, especially before we move. <laughs> of course, that's probably the first time I ever said that publicly. We're moving in October of 2017. It'd be fun to have you on the grinder and, and let's, you know, you can help me become ultra spiritual somehow with a kettlebell. And I, I would be love. I would love to haunt each other in person. Um, yeah, I have a deep admi- uh, admiration for what you do, Mark. I can't wait for us to shake hands in person and talk shop. I look forward to that. All right, folks, that's it. Uh, thanks for your time today. Thank, let's thank JP. Good luck, wish him luck and everything um, that he does. And I think we'll be uh, hearing more from him in the future. And as usual, um, train hard and stay focused and do the work every day, especially on that emotional mountain. Hoo-yah. We'll see you next time. Coach Devine out. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back. The